0: I am here to support the aphasia community. I'm here to get the message out, make aphasia a household word, right? Is is that the right way to put it? Because so many people have never heard the word. And if we want the folks that we love who have aphasia to feel included, we have to get the word out. So that's why I
1: am here. Welcome to the Listen for Life podcast with Genevieve Richardson. Genevieve is a speech-language pathologist rehabilitating adults with communication challenges after a stroke or due to a neurological impairment. Living with aphasia is hard. Caregiving is hard. You are not alone. Get equipped with knowledge from experts in the field and professionals you need to know. We'll hear stories and experiences from others who are navigating life with aphasia. So. Put your earphones in and take a walk outside. This isn't just a podcast. This is a community, a resource, and a support system. We're in this together. Do life.
0: Happy Thursday. So let's recap. Last week, I was going to do my second Instagram live and stream directly out to each of you in that I was going to have a topic and answer some more aphasia questions. Well I was traveling last week in Waco, Texas and for whatever reason even though my phone showed I had full signal for Instagram, uh, cellular and Wi-Fi was not strong enough to let me connect but I'm back home and the Wi-Fi is working so woohoo. So in case you missed it, I had quite the setup in my hotel room last week where I set up the trash can on a desk and maybe we'll repost that that picture later because it was, you know, I felt it was quite inventive. So I had a trash can upside down. I had my dog's bowl on top of it because I needed just a little bit more lift of my laptop. And then I have a stand that I use for my laptop so I can fix the angle. And then I had to move the lights all around in the hotel room to get decent lighting. So it was quite the makeshift setup and was fun to do. Again, mental flexibility. So let's talk about the challenge that I had put out to... You in the aphasia community two weeks ago, it was during my first Instagram live, and my challenge was to increase your awareness of physical affection and to actually increase your physical affection with your person who has aphasia. It is so easy to get caught up, even for myself, there's not aphasia in my household. But when you get caught up in the day-to-day, things you have to do, things you're thinking about, plans you're making, dealing with a household of people, it's easy to lose sight of that physical connection. And for our folks who have aphasia, and I think anyone with aphasia will tell me that this is true and the people that love them will also say this is true. The physical affection goes away and it's not an intentional thing it has to do much more with you're just caught up in the day-to-day so my challenge two weeks ago was to increase physical affection i made this challenge not only out here in the internet universe but also to a couple of my clients that i work with in the practice and they, this one family I will speak to, he is, he is the gentle, the husband has aphasia, but he's not a hugger, but he will hold hands. So the wife was able to say that they increased their hand holding over that week. He is very affectionate in that even though he is nonverbal, he can do the sign for I love you. So he's very good at that. We trained him early on how, how to do that because that is another form of connection. So if you worked on your physical connection, how did it go? Did you feel it was make, it was worth making the effort? Did you keep it top, top of mind? How did you receive that physical touch? Sometimes when I hug my husband, it's like, ah. <sighs> It's a relief, right? It's, it's just that connection and knowing that somebody else has you. So definitely keep physical touch top of mind. Before we get off this live today, I have another challenge for you, but I'm not going to tell you about it until the end of the show. So definitely stay tuned. Our topic today is I wanted to get into visual aids and how we use them to enhance communication, what is a visual aid, you say? So let's go over what those can be. We're not going to exhaust this list today, but let's list them. First, pictures, whether it's a physical picture, like, you know, back in the day when we would get film developed and you had individual pictures, it's much more likely to be a communication board. A communication board is a piece of paper with either line drawing pictures or color pictures, or maybe it's even words. We can have an alphabet board and number board. So again, that is a piece of paper that has all the letters of the alphabet on it. Usually they're individual letters, they're spread out. So it's easy to see them and to point to them. And we often also have numbers down at the bottom. We could have a communication board that is specific to a topic. Let's say there's your person, whether you are the individual with aphasia or you love someone with aphasia, and let's talk about the grocery store. And if this is an activity you do and you know certain things come up at the grocery store, whether it's maybe finding a product that's out of stock or Trying to determine what aisle a product is on, saying just a general hello to the cashier when you go to checkout. You can have an individual communication board that can reference all of those key things that happen in that environment at the grocery store when I go to the grocery store at a certain time of day, I know that they do like this demonstration. They have this demonstration food area where you can get food samples. And if I go at a certain time of day, there's a certain person that works there. Her name is Laura, and we always have a friendly conversation. Well, what if I had, if I was the person with aphasia and I had a piece of paper with me, or maybe it's on my phone that says, Good morning, Laura, how are you? Maybe I just need to look at these words and sentences to be able to start and continue a a conversation with her. Maybe I have written down, what did you cook today? Or what are we having? Those kinds of things. So you can have a communication board or system set up for that specific context. That's where I'm trying to go with this. Other ways we can do visual supports for aphasia, drawing, sketching. One of my clients is excellent at writing words. His wife takes scrap paper, cuts them into, I think she cuts a piece of paper into four pieces, stacks them up, staples it, and that's where he's Recycling and has his own notepad with pen always nearby, so he can draw a picture, write a word, write a phrase. He's really good at doing that. And that really supports him. Also, because I see him on Zoom, you know, telepractice, I have been known with the draw tool on the whiteboard on Zoom to draw a line drawing picture that we then interact with. So it goes both ways, whether it's the person with aphasia, drawing a picture, writing a word or phrase, or you the listener doing the same, both are important. You need to think outside the box when it comes to aphasia. You have to use every tool and there's nothing wrong with asking the person with aphasia, how can I help you? Don't assume that you know, but maybe visual supports are one of those ways. Let's see, let's keep going. Let's talk about gestures and body language. Talking with your hands. Sometimes I get a little nuts and talk too much with my hands and my clients will say, I'm confused, I don't know what you're trying to tell me. But using things like, you know, grab your piece of paper, grab your pen. See my pretty pink pen? Where's that business card we were talking about? Or let's talk about this utility bill. Grabbing an item, holding it up so that you have a shared reference is so important with aphasia, whether you have aphasia or your loved one has aphasia. It goes both ways. So I just wanted to touch a little bit today about using visual aids. In the future, we'll talk more in depth about them, but I wanted to just give a little introduction today. So let's move on. So that was my topic for today. And now I wanted to get into three questions. I receive questions, which is so much fun. And by the way, if you want to submit and a question about aphasia, whether it's about a topic we've covered or some other social media video I've put out, whether it's something you've read somewhere else on the internet and you want more clarification. I absolutely love questions and I love understanding from your perspective the information that you want, that you need. So it helps me as a clinician and, and hopefully I'm giving you guys value too, giving you some more information and things to think about. So let me jump in. I'm jumping ahead to my first question. Oh, maybe before we do that, thank you, aphasia cheerleader. I have a question here. Let me put it up on the board on Restream. Sorry, Instagram, you don't get to see it. You'll have to go to my YouTube channel to see it, but I will read it out loud. Misty is asking, we are new to learning about aphasia. Is it common for a person with aphasia to be able to clearly write even though they cannot speak the same words? Misty, fabulous question. So I will start by answering that question saying, not everyone can write. Not everyone can convert the thought or the concept they have in their mind and be able to convert that into letters and sounds combined into a word on paper. What's challenging is understanding where you are. Let's say you are the person with aphasia. Do you know? Can you write words? Can you draw a picture you have in your head? If I said the word book, could you draw a picture of a book? Could you write the word book? So if you heard the word from me, could you then put the word book on paper? You may have the concept in your head. You may see a book. You may, like I've got books sitting over here on my bookshelf. You may be visualizing in your head books or your library or where you've got a stack of books next to your bed, whatever the case may be. But because of your aphasia, you may not be able to get that word out or maybe you can Maybe you're like one of my other clients who has a fluent type of aphasia and she has the word book in her head, she's got the concept. She, but when she goes to say it or repeat it, it comes out as a different word. It might be a word that rhymes and it, or it may be a made up word. All of this to say, Misty, not every person with aphasia can write words. It's important for you, if you have aphasia, to understand what you can and can't do, because that is the first step in figuring out what strategies work best for you and also that your family, the people that interact with you every day, if they know what you can do, then they know how to tailor their message to you and what strategies to use also. So if you don't know what you can and can't do, and you have aphasia, it's worth getting together with your speech pathologist to understand, can I write words? Can I copy words? If I hear a word, can I then write that word down? There's just so many nuances. So I I don't want to muddy the waters anymore. Misty, I hope I answered your question. So let's get into the first of three questions that I'm gonna to address today. Here's the first question. My dad is struggling with aphasia. What are the predictors of aphasia therapy success? I'm concerned that he might quit. Wow, that is a, a loaded question. Thank you for sending that in. So predicting long-term success and communication after a stroke Is complex and it depends on several factors. The first thing, we have to understand the severity of the aphasia. Again, the person with aphasia, as well as the family, as well as the professionals that you're working with. Age plays a factor in the success of therapy. The younger you are, and I'm going to preface this this is a generalization. I am making a generalization. None of this is set in stone. The younger your brain is, the younger you are physically, the more likely you are to have a quicker rebound. But that's not always the case. Age can impact how you recover. But that's not to say I haven't worked with plenty of people in their 80s and even 90s who can bounce back after a stroke. It all has to do with your motivation, your willingness to work, the support that you have. Time since stroke is another factor about the predictors of therapy success. Of course, you're going to have bigger gains immediately, immediately after a stroke because you're in that spontaneous recovery period. That's that first approximately six months after a stroke, if that's what caused your aphasia but there are plenty of skilled therapy and techniques that can improve your ability to communicate even years after a stroke. I'm preaching to the choir, but I don't believe in plateaus. There's always another way, another angle to improving your communication. Cognitive skills. So Cognition, this is something we're going to get into at another time, your cognitive skills. If you have the ability to pay attention or to shift your attention, you're going to have a better recovery for your language and your language skills, your ability to communicate. Attention is a fundamental communication cognitive skill. You have to be able to pay attention so that you can process information and you can get your answer out. The last factor for determining success in therapy is your motivation and support. I have worked with clients at all different phases in their aphasia journey whether they're early in you know they're in that kind of acute aphasia stage those first six months to someone who's nine years after the onset of aphasia if you are motivated and you have support you're not doing it by yourself you can improve so let's review some of the factors that i covered for what are some of the predictors of therapy success? We have to know the severity of your aphasia. Age can play a role in therapy success. The time since the stroke can play a role in therapy success. Cognitive skills, such as attention, is another area that determines therapy success. Motivation and support also determines therapy success. Those are just some of the variables, some of the factors, and it's important to take all those into consideration. Your speech pathologist needs to take all of those into consideration when you guys work together to formulate your goals and your treatment plan. So I see I have another question that jumped in here. So let's pop that up just to keep this interesting and flowing. Jack is commenting, he finds that predictive text on his cell phone helps him to type words to communicate accurately. Jack, I am so glad you said that. In this day and age, most, many people carry a cell phone and there are so many tools and techniques and support mechanisms built into these computers that we carry around in our pocket. Jack, I'm really glad that you talked about predictive text. I will definitely talk about that on another session that we have because there's some great ways to utilize that in day-to-day communication. So, we are on to question number 2 that was submitted. If you have a question about aphasia, how do you get it to me? Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, Put it in the comments, send me a DM. It's best if you make it obvious by by starting your question, by typing the word question if you can. That's just so it pops out at me. The other way to send questions, hello at doolifespeechpathology.com. That's the other way to reach me and also through my website, doolifespeechpathology.com. All right, let's jump back in. Who is a candidate for aphasia therapy? Again, great question. This kind of ties into what are some of the success factors of aphasia therapy, but who is a candidate for aphasia therapy? Everybody is a candidate for aphasia therapy, no matter if it's a brand new stroke that caused your aphasia or it's down the road. So we have the acute phase, which I talked about. That's that Kind of first month or two, typically the person is in the hospital, maybe going through acute rehabilitation, maybe even into home health at that point. The chronic phase technically starts after the first six months and keeps going on. Ooh, thank you, Daisy girl. Thank you for putting on Instagram. Thank you for typing in my email address. That was great. So everyone's a candidate. But what There's so many different ways to approach aphasia therapy. There is working at the impairment level. Maybe it's having to work on writing single words or saying single words, reading single words versus six months after a stroke, the angle of treatment may be more on how do you communicate in the situations that are most important to you? Maybe it's being able to talk to Laura at the grocery store like I was talking about earlier. Maybe it's being able to talk to your wife about her day when she comes home from work. Maybe it's getting on FaceTime with your granddaughter who's away at college. How we address treatment can change and pivot depending on where you are in your aphasia journey and what's important to you at the time. I will argue that everyone is a candidate for aphasia therapy. If you have goals, things that you need to accomplish for communication, there is a way to get to it. You just need to find a speech pathologist that can help you get there. So let's keep moving on. If you have any follow-up questions about that, please let me know. I am moving on to my third question, third and final question, and then I'm going to issue that challenge I have for you guys for this next week. What must a family consider when discharged from aphasia therapy? Wow, this is another loaded question. I will answer this. Discharge from aphasia therapy means different things at different places in your aphasia journey. So if you're being discharged from acute rehabilitation and you're going home, the family needs to consider what are the immediate communication strategies? What is the plan for therapy? Yes, what is the plan for therapy once you get home, is that home health care coming in? Does that mean a speech pathologist is coming in? Does that mean you are going to outpatients, so you have to get out of the house in a timely manner to make an appointment across town? Does that mean you're gonna see a speech pathologist via Zoom, via telepractice? You need to, so staying with the acute phase rehab discharge, you're being discharged from the hospital, whether you are coming out of the medical hospital or acute rehabilitation. You have to know how to set up your home environment for communication success. You need to know how to manage medications. This is a reality for everybody. Even if you went into the hospital with a stroke and you're coming out with aphasia and you never took medicine before, it is highly likely you're coming home on medications and that's you know just one more consideration. Upon discharge, how do you manage those medications? Do you know what you're taking? Do you know what the dosage is? Do you know what your medication schedule is to be in compliance of taking those medicines at the time you need to? What's your follow-up care with the physician, with your therapist? What kind of emotional support do you, the person with aphasia, have, as well as the family that is supporting the person with aphasia? Did you receive training in the hospital? How to communicate? How to problem-solve communication issues? Do you know what the strategies are? To maximize communication and then the final consideration if you have an acute inpatient or acute rehab discharge what are the safety measures you need to know about how is the person with aphasia if he or she is in a room separate from the person they're living with how do they get their attention what if there's an emergency how do we manage falls how do we manage Transfers, transportation, there's just a lot to be considered. So let's talk about long-term considerations. So let's say the acute rehab phase is over, you're settled in at home, maybe you're being discharged from outpatient speech therapy. What if you're still motivated and you want to continue to improve your communication? You need to ask your therapist before they discharge you. What, where am I going to get more therapy? How am I going to get more therapy? What are the options? Are there online support groups? Are there support groups that you can go to physically in your town? Is there? Are there speech pathology programs that you can pay privately for, whether it's individual treatment or group treatment, so that you can continue to progress. Sometimes individuals with aphasia are discharged because insurance has run out or uh, meeting medical necessity has dried up. I don't know another way to, I can't think of another way to say it right this second. But it might be that your only option is to find support groups, other persons with aphasia, so you can keep practicing your communication and interactions versus paying privately for individual or group treatment. Other long-term considerations when you're being discharged, because think about it, you're being discharged from treatment and you're kind of on your own. You're going to figure out what day-to-day life looks like. You're going to have less appointments to go to or less appointments to keep if you're not doing therapy actively. How are you going to interact socially? Isolation is one of those considerations. As a speech pathologist, I didn't consider this as before, earlier in my career, as I do now. Isolation is rampant in the aphasia community because people don't know how to interact with someone with aphasia. They're uncomfortable. They don't want to make the person feel uncomfortable. So you have to plan for social interaction. What does that look like? Lifestyle modification. How do you get back to your hobbies when you have aphasia? You also have to consider long-term Legal and financial planning. Having aphasia changes the dynamic in a family. The roles, responsibilities, and the financial burdens do change. So you need to look at that. And then knowing what your follow up plan is, whether it's with your physician or what if a question would be when you're being discharged from therapy. What if I backslide? What if I can't walk as good as I did before? Can I come back for physical therapy? What if my ability to talk changes over time? Do I qualify for more therapy with insurance or am I out of luck? Ask these questions of your therapist before discharge. So those were my three questions that were submitted over the last week that I wanted to address. And each one of those is a loaded question. And I will dig more into some of the details from my answers today for future episodes. But we are moving on to my challenge for this week. Identify what is your number one communication problem. Is it communicating with your spouse about day-to-day things? Is it, if you have aphasia and you're working, is it communicating to your boss under pressure, under stress? Is it answering questions from your kids when they come home from school? What is your number one communication challenge? I really want you to give this some thought And I'd like you to write it down. You may come up with a couple of handfuls. You know, you may come up with five, six, seven things that are communication challenges. Try to write them down. Try to document them in some way. Talk to your family about it. Write it down and then assess. If you could improve one of those six areas, what would it be? And then let me know in the comments, send me a DM, send me a comment through social media, email me, let me know what that would be because that tells me what's on your mind and then I can provide action tips and steps forward to helping to address that need that you have in aphasia. So that's my challenge. Also, please continue to keep top of mind physical contact as affection and making connection. Even if you're not a hugger, try to hug your loved one with aphasia. If you can't hug, hand on the shoulder, holding holding hands, giving a squeeze as you walk by to the kitchen. Whatever the case may be, give a smile, say I love you. Do, you know, make your I love you sign. Whatever the case may be, keep building that connection. Keep it top of mind, find a way. And then your challenge this week, determine what is your number one communication challenge. Think about how you can address it, break it down into pieces. If you need help with doing this, send me a DM and we'll do it together. Let's keep moving forward with aphasia because you can still have a life you love We just go about it a little bit differently. Three things before I sign off. I went a lot longer today than I thought I was going to talk about. Here we go. Three things, three action steps other than the challenges that I just talked about. If you are interested in learning more about aphasia, cognition, and communication strategies, I have a course for you. For the cost of a dinner out, you can have this course with handouts, videos, all sorts of content to support you in learning about aphasia and cognition and improving your communication. You can find this course, just check it out, learn more about it, Do dolifespeechpathology.com forward slash unlock aphasia. That'll take you to the course page and you can see what it's all about if you need so number two on my list before we go if you need resources aphasia information and you'd like to be on my newsletter I put out an email every week we talk about the live show what we're going to talk about what guests are coming up but I'm also going to be putting in there aphasia tips every week action if you want this Go to my website, do Live Speech Pathology, and sign up for the newsletter there. You will also have access to the the behind-the-scenes content from the Listen for Life podcast. The Listen for Life podcast, I am happy to say, I think this week was episode 51. It dropped today. Next week is episode 52. For 52 weeks, I have put out a podcast every week. And that was a big challenge for me, considering I have a full-time speech pathology practice. But if you sign up for my newsletter, you get summaries from the episodes, you get access to any PDFs that I make that go along with those episodes. There's lots of good stuff. So sign up for the newsletter. And number three, the third action step, if you have aphasia, and you have goals that you want to achieve for communication, schedule a free consultation. Let's get on the phone. Let's discuss your communication goals, what you want to achieve, and let's put a plan in place to help you achieve them. That's it. I'm wishing you all an amazing week. Everybody have a great week.
1: Thanks for tuning in to the Listen for Life podcast. We hope you feel empowered and supported. Head over to listenforlifepodcast.com to see the show notes with links and information from today's episode. Do you have a topic, a resource to share, or a guest recommendation? Inquiring minds want to know. Let us know in the comments section. Wishing you a fabulous week.